Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. Hey, happy Father's Day to the dads. Can we give the dads a round of applause? If you're joining us online, we are glad that you are with us also. So, uh, you know, it's one thing it's that, that us Midwest dads do. It's probably not just the dads. It's probably all of us because we've all seen this. And we, uh, we have this tendency when, when there's a storm coming, when we know about the, the thunderstorm warning that's, you know, coming and the tornado warning, what do we Midwesterners do? We go outside. Yeah. The weather's like, hey, the weatherman's like, get in the basement, get in the middle spot of your room, take cover, it's gonna go, like we need to, and then you got, you got this guy, your neighbor, you know, he's got a beer, and he's got his lawn chair, and he's just like, let's get a good show, you know? He's like, cause I don't want this weatherman pulling my leg again, I wanna see something, right? I wanna see something out of this. Now, uh, this last, you know, recent storm that we had, we didn't get enough advance notice about it. So some of us felt gypped. It was like, all of a sudden, it's fine, and then all of a sudden, it's hail, right? And none of us would have wanted to be outside for that. Anyway, but I remember, this is like something that we disciple our kids in, because I remember when I was a little kid, being like three years old, being at my grandparents' house, and my uncle and I would always go out into the garage to watch storms. Now, we were at least responsible enough, or he was at least responsible enough to keep me inside of the garage with the garage door completely open, watching storms. And I just remember those vivid memories of seeing those storms roll by. And, you know, the thing is, the house was fine every time. It was it was fine. But as I grew up and I, as I got older, I've learned what we all have learned, is that is that, that storms... They're not just like natural things like in the weather, but storms, there's these things that are called, we call them the storms of life, right? Those are the things that we go through that it's not really just like rain and some hail and some tornadoes, but sometimes life can feel like we're getting hit by a storm, the storms of life. It could be a financial crisis, like you got, maybe you lost a job and, uh, or your hours were cut and the financial margin that you already had, it was going thinner and thinner and thinner and it can feel like a storm maybe you had like an unexpected major expense because those of you who have a house and uh, own a house and you got these things that sometimes they stop working sometimes the, the roof stops working the hvac unit stops working and then you gotta fork over quite a bit of money to get those things fixed sometimes it's unexpected expenses sometimes it's overwhelming debt that can all kind of feel like a storm Sometimes, though, it's, uh, you know, it is a natural disaster and it just kind of wrecks your world. Sometimes it's a traumatic event. Sometimes it's something you went through. It could be a career setback. You had a job loss. Or maybe you get to a point where you've been in a career for 10, 20, 30 years and you find yourself completely dissatisfied with your work. Maybe it's your workplace or maybe it's your entire career and you're finding yourself like wondering, what does it look like to start from scratch? And can I really do that at this point? And then you got the retirement savings that are in front of you. You're like, okay, I got to make sure I keep working or am I going to really be able to do this for that long, for as long as I actually need? Maybe you had a setback in performance. Maybe it just didn't work out the way you thought it would and and you're finding some, some pushback from that at work. Maybe it's a relational conflict. 
with some friends or some family, or maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in a significant other and your relationship is not what it used to be. Uh, and that can be a storm. You know, people grow apart. Maybe sometimes people move away or sometimes you just kind of don't see eye to eye anymore. It could be a lot of things. It could be that moment when you get to in your life where you realize the future you had hoped for, the future you had envisioned, the future that was going to be all full of all these things is now no longer going to be the case. Because something dynamically, something majorly happened and changed the thing. It, you, you just realize it's not going to be able to be that and you grieve that loss. It could be that moment where you get that health diagnosis and things just begin to change and you find yourself in the middle of a storm that you didn't see coming. You didn't see the forecast. It could be it's the death of a loved one. It's the storms of life. We, here's the thing that you and I know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Is that when, when it comes to the storms of life, here's what we know about them. They're in the forecast. They're coming. They're coming. And the question is for all of us is like, will this next storm that we face, will it be the one that wrecks our life? It could be that moment where you hit rock bottom. And it's not really like an actual storm, but it's a metaphorical storm and it hits you. And the thing that Jesus is going to teach us today is what it looks like to build a life on a certain foundation and what that looks like and what that means for any kind of storm that you face. That what he's going to show us is the way to go through any storm that you face in life and still be standing. Because Jesus does not lead us on a path that, that always avoids storms. What, what, he doesn't pull any punches. He's not going to lie to you. And say, oh, that life is just full of roses and sugar plums. And by the way, every rose has its thorn. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's good. Uh, some of you got that. Some of you are lost. Some of you are like, yeah, obviously it has a thorn. Okay, anyway. Um, every time we go through a storm, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of foundation am I living on? Jesus is going to show us the way to build your life on a sure and solid foundation to where whatever, whatever storm you face, you'll be able to get through. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be jumping into Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Jesus is wrapping up his sermon on the mount that we've been walking through for months. And, and here's the thing I love about Jesus is, is what I just said is he's not going to pull any punches. He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to help you look life, real life, straight in the eye and be able to move forward even in the midst of it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, this is, what Je- this is what Jesus says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Again, we know that the forecast says storms are coming. Storms are coming. So how are you preparing? Jesus uh, contrasts not uh, a, a man who does all the right things and is like morally, ethically good necessarily, and and someone who's bad and evil. But he contrasts two different two different wise men and a foolish man. A wise man who is thoughtful and intentional and purposeful and does things on purpose. He contrasts that kind of man with a man who is he says foolish. Who is uh, the the Greek word is what we get from the word uh, the English word moron, like somebody who just doesn't think. 
is, is not smart, is not doing things intentionally, is careless, is foolish. So a wise man and a foolish man, here's the thing, Jesus tells the story, right? Uh, they, they, all, they both go to a, a, a plot of land and they build their house. Here's the, what's significant about the first century is that uh, these first century people would not have approached houses like we do today. And that is, you know, some of us, we might move every five years or 10 years. We might get to a house uh, that we've lived in for 20 years and decide to move. Um, that's not how they would operate. In fact, this is multi-generational kind of plots of land. And so, so like if your great-great-great-grandfather bought this land, um, you likely are still living on it. Uh, because this would be a household that has multi-generations inside of it. So if you are uh, building a house uh, and, and you, you, you want to be like, you know, start your family, then you might build your house on that same plot of land. Or you might just add on to your father's house. Add another room. That way you're kind of, you're in there and you're just kind of getting started. That's kind of how they approached houses. They were kind of for life versus us. Like we, we just kind of like, well, if this house, we get kind of tired of it, we'll just sell it and move. Right. Um, and, and so Jesus is kind of telling like, Hey, there's, this is like serious. This is a wise man who has generational, um, wisdom in front of him and generational wisdom that is going to be coming from him and a foolish man who has generational foolishness that is not only going to precede him, but su- succeed him as well. So you got a wise man who built his house on the solid rock and a foolish man built his house on the sand. So you can just imagine little bit with me imagine like you know the thing is you don't notice the foundation until a storm comes until something happens so it could be that these two men they they grew up down the street right their houses maybe are down the street from each other they saw each other when they went out for work and they'd wave at each other right maybe they frequented the same places around town they'd see each other at walmart they'd have a conversation they'd see each other at hughes getting some coffee they'd have a conversation maybe they even work together and they they seem to kind of have a good level of kind of camaraderie and they could see what's going on in each other's lives maybe the wise man one day saw the foolish man you know not because they knew it was foolish but just like, hey, you know, he got a nice car and he's got a nice car, but it's not as nice as that guy's car. And it kind of feels like, well, maybe he's got it kind of going on a little bit more, right? Like he's kind of got it figured out a little bit more. And the wise man's like, ah, I wish I had what he had. But then one day, both of them, they seem like they're doing well. They seem like they're doing fine. But then one day the storm comes. It's the storm of all storms. The one man, his wife, his, his, his house is fine. Maybe he's got a little bit of insurance claims, you know, got to call Bluffton Roofing or whoever you would call, right? <laughs> or, and then the foolish man. His house completely crumbled because it's built on sand. Now, if you're wise and intentional and purposeful, you would never build a house on sand. That was just, that's just, you would say it would be dumb, right? It's just not smart. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you hear my words, And you let them just be something you hear. You are building your house, which the first century hearers would have understood a house as a metaphor for life. You are building your life on sinking sand. That it, the storm may, that, that takes you out may not come today. It may not come tomorrow. It may be a decade down the road. It may be slowly corroding that eventually it will end with a crash. But if you are going to be a wise man, then you not only hear my words, you you hear my teachings, but you do what I say. You actually do something with it. If you're going to actually follow me, then that means you have to actually 
put in practice what it is that I'm teaching you. The storms of life. Sometimes you find that the thing you've been building your life on, the storm comes, and your life does not withstand the pressure of the storm. Sarah and I were recently uh, with our kids. Uh, well, we're always with our kids, but we were recently uh, camping with our kids at Wabash slash Obachi. I want to also, I did this first service. I'm very curious to see what second service says. I want to take a poll so that we can settle the score, okay? Uh, is it Obachi or Wabash? Okay, if you would be someone who would say, we're talking about the state park down the street, right? Okay, um, if you are someone who calls it Wabash, please raise your hand. Okay, all right. And if you are someone who would call it Obachi, please raise your hand. This is the same as first service. Here's the thing. The Wabash people are judging all of you Obachi people. Because they're like, it's the proper pronunciation. I stand on it. The Obachi people have gone down the wide path to destruction, right? So many more, right? (laughs) Amen, brother. This is the best sermon I've heard. (laughs) Anyway, you guys, get yourselves together, okay? Um, so Sarah and I, we were camping with our, with our kids, and we were tent camping, okay? So we had two of them. We had one that's super awesome. Like, you just kind of open it up, and it kind of just like, boop. It, it makes itself, almost. you got to do a little bit. But it's not like the old school tents where you, like, you spend four hours trying to put the stupid thing together. Anyway, we had that tent. That's the one we were going to sleep in. It's ginormous, right? It's, it's, it's awesome. And then the other one is our old tent. And we uh, put that up, got it up, and we des- designated that one as our, as our food tent, okay? Because we were like, okay, I've, it's not our first rodeo. We've been camping before. We know that these things, there's, there's these things out in the campground. They're the spawn of Satan. They're raccoons, right? Uh, as somebody called it, said it, trash pandas, right? That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, they, they, they are, ugh, like, frustrating, right? So you have to take precautions because they will wreak havoc on you. They will be the storm, right, that wrecks your life. And so we had uh, two tents because one was going to be the food. So we have, like, an old dorm room kind of refrigerator um, that we had some food in and we had coolers. And then we were going to have our community group over to, to visit for our like kind of end of session gathering at our campground. Um, and so we had a bunch of hot dog buns, hamburger buns, and chips that were just kind of out. And we just thought, well, it's in the tent. Raccoons can't work zippers, right? Right? Yeah, so we all snickering because you know where this is headed. Okay, so I found out that that tent was not built on a solid foundation, Okay. And I found that out at 4.30 in the morning, okay? So I'm sleeping, you know, wonderfully, as wonderful as you can on a, like, you know, a foot-thick blow-up mattress that is, as the day go or as the night goes on, is just getting lower and lower and lower, and I'm on the ground. Anyway, um, I was not in a deep sleep, is what I'm saying. 4.30 a.m. rolls around. I hear these little, like, rustling and the little, little sounds, like, you know, like these little things. Like, I don't know how to make a raccoon sound, but it's just, it's what Satan would sound like, okay? Um, and so I'm like, oh, I knew it. Like, okay. So I get up, because I'm the man, and that's what I'm supposed to do, according to my wife, right? Okay? So it's not stereotypes, it's just how it is in our house, okay? Just chill out. Okay. So I'm, I'm dad mode, right? As fathers say. Okay. I get out with a flashlight, and myself, right? And I go out, and I see him. It's a whole family of them, a whole flock of them. 
and they are, they are, some of them are like in the tent and some of them are like out on lookout and they saw me and I started yelling at them, shining the light at them. And Hey y'all, just so you know, they backed up. Okay. They were intimidated by my presence. Okay. Kind of. Um, but here's the thing. Okay. So I got into the tent, we got rid of them and I got into the tent. They had gotten into this little like, uh, mesh part in the back. Terrible design. Like I'm going to sue the tent company. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, they were like, you're dumb. Okay. Um, so they got in there, ripped it open. They got in, they took all of our uh, hot dog buns, all of our hamburger buns and all of our chips with the exception of a few. But here's the thing. They took all that stuff, but they, 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 they had enough compassion to give back. Yeah. So they, they took all of our food, but they, they wanted to give back. So they had feces and urine all throughout the tent. Cause they were like, I figure, you know, if it go, what goes in comes out, right? So they figured like, well, here, thank you. Here's the tip. You know, here are a couple more questions before we finish the receipt. You know, do you want this? Uh, I said, no. Okay. Anyway, so we're like, oh my gosh, like 4.30 in the morning, it's pitch black dark. So we're starting to clean it up. And Sarah and I, by about 4.45, determined um, that tent is going to go in the trash. Like we're not even going to, we moved all of our stuff to the van. It's like, surely they cannot get into a locked van. Amen. Like, okay, they didn't. Okay. Uh, but that would have been a crazy story if they did, right? So we do that, and so I'm I'm in the morning getting stuff. We're like, okay, we're just gonna call it quits, and and I put the tent, put it all together, put it in the bag, and then I'm riding my bicycle down to the Wabash campground thing, Obachi, you know, thing, uh, whatever you want to call. It, okay, I'm not here to get shot or something. Um, it's Obachi, uh, and I put it in the, the dumpster and then, uh, yeah. So like, here's the thing. It's such a, it's an interesting picture, right? This is what Jesus is encouraging us to do is when you realize that the house you built, the life you built is on shaky foundation. When what you're doing isn't working, realizing that, Oh, this wasn't the right plan. This was foolish. Uh, the wise thing would be to start from scratch and start rebuilding a new strategy while we're at the campground, right? So when I started following Jesus, this was, this was what, like, it happened for me. It was in the midst of a storm of life that I would not wish on any of you or anybody out there, anybody ever. Like, I would not wish any of that on anyone. I was going through a storm of life at the age of 19 and 18 and 17 that I would not wish on anyone. And it was in the midst of that that I finally got to the point where I was humbled enough to realize that what I was doing wasn't working. Where I was going wasn't working. I didn't know what the answer was, but I was open to finding out something. And I was yearning to know, like, okay, what what is... What is a better path? And I started to learn that. And then as I'm starting to follow Jesus, starting to learn about Jesus, then it was, it was as if I was like, okay, this tent I've been building my life with is done. It's, it's, it's nasty. It's not working. It's not going to a good place. It's not going to withstand any of the storms because I've already known that it's not going to withstand any of these storms because I've already been through the storms and finding myself in destruction. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take the tent. I'm going to roll it up, put it in the, in the bag, ride my bike down to the dumpster, throw it in the dumpster. And I'm going to start building my life as much as possibly can, like, because I, I still failed, but I got, I got to a point where I just decided, okay, this, 
Jesus thing makes so much sense. It's what I've been searching for and yearning for. This is why I, I realize now I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made that, that the kid who was uh, born out of wedlock and, and to teenage parents who, who, who weren't planning on having me, who maybe in the back of my mind, I think for much of my life was like, was I an accident? Does that mean I have no worth? Does that mean I have not, no, no value? And like, what does that mean? Like, God, what did you, did you see me coming into this world? And like, what does that mean for me? Do you even care? And like all these things swirling around in the back of my mind. Now I found out that Jesus loves me, cares for me, has a purpose for me and has a, a direction for me to follow. And, and I can go through life, not, not avoiding the messes, but going through them, surviving them and thriving through them, growing in them. And then I can just follow him. And each and every day I say yes to him. It's me putting another brick on solid foundation. That, that's what I found out. And, and the, the, the crazy thing is, is so many of you probably have that story too at times. When you've faced a storm, when it was too much, and you realize you need to start building on a different foundation. Like that's what we should do, right? That's, that's the, the ideal. Now I was saying, I'm not, I wasn't perfect at it, still working it out. But I'm so grateful that, I, that God allowed me to go through some storms that really wrecked me so that I would be open to what he was going to say. Because otherwise I wouldn't have been. And as I was uh, throwing away that tent, um, the campground host um, came up to me and was saying, Hey, is, was that a tarp that you threw away? I'm like, no, man, you ain't going to want this. <laughs> you know, like, it's nasty. Uh, and so we, we struck up a conversation, was talking for a while. And uh, as we were talking, he was telling me about the new um, restroom storm shelter building thing in the campground. And he was saying how, like, hey, yeah, this is new and, and all this. And he told me that this building was built to be able to withstand two F5 tornadoes at the same time. So if y'all, tornado warning, and you're like, oh, this is real sketch. So like as you, you grab your grab your lawn chair, right, and and hustle it over to Wabash Obachi and get in that building because you're going to be fine if you're in there. And then he was telling me the other one, the one that most of us are probably familiar with because it's been around longer, that's built to withstand one F5 tornado. So the question is, right, what kind of, what kind of storm, what kind of level of tornado is your life able to withstand? Is it built on the solid rock? See, here's the thing. People do all kinds of things instead of acting on Jesus's words. We, we do all kinds of things that are not in line with Jesus because we're not following his words. This is a list um, from Craig Rochelle's book, Christian Atheist. When you believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. Um, and, and here's some things that he points to. That sometimes we stay ashamed of our past. And when we stay ashamed of our past, that's putting another brick on the sand. Like, you know that Jesus has grace for you and love for you and mercy for you, but you still stay ashamed of your past because for some reason you believe that your sin is greater than his grace, so you put another brick on sand. Uh, some of us, we doubt his love. Like, I know that Jesus went to the cross for me and died for me and rose again so that I could have victory just like he had victory. But I, I just don't know that he can love me because I'm the exception to the rule because you're filled with pride. You put another brick on the sand. When you know that God loves you and cares for you, wants to hear from you, but you don't pray, that's putting another brick on the sand. 
When you, refre- when you refuse to forgive, you know that Jesus said, pray this way, Father, forgive us of our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, who have trespassed against us. You know that Jesus calls you to forgive. How many times? Well, seven times 70. In other words, as many times as it takes when your brother sins against you, build it, but then you don't forgive. You put another brick on the sand. When you don't think you can change, you know that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to change you. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is alive and breathing in you, and yet you believe that you can't change. That's building another brick on sand. When you still worry all the time, you know that God's involved and God's in, 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 the, in the forefront and he's going ahead of you, he's behind you, he's right next to you. And yet you, you know that Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And yet you still find yourself racked by worry. It's putting another brick on sand. When you pursue happiness at any cost, when you've bought into the lie that American prosperity is the, is the way of the follower of Jesus, that you need to pursue happiness at any cost, even if it costs you some relationships and some people, that you do that and you put another brick on sand. When you trust more in money than you trust in God, you may not believe that in in theology, in what you believe, but you live that way. You put another brick on the sand. When you don't share your faith, even though you know that the those who are going to die apart from Jesus are going to go to an eternity in hell, and yet you don't share your faith, it's putting another brick on sand. When you, when you believe that Jesus saved you and adopted you into his family and brought you together into his body and brought you together into his bride and brought you together into his house called the church and welcomed you into the kingdom of God, which is the church, yet you know all those things, yet you don't prioritize church. That's putting another brick on the sand. Be like how my friend was. I was talking to him last week and he said, you know, for the longest time when I approached God, I I went to him respectfully. Like I tried to respect God. When it came to God and thinking about him and talking about him, I tried to respect him, but I wasn't pursuing him. I didn't have a relationship with him. And so he went from putting a lot of bricks on sand, like, I'm good with you, God, but really you don't have much relevance to my life, even though I'll call you Lord, right? Just like last week. He went from putting bricks on sand to now he's building a new foundation, building bricks on a new foundation that is the solid rock. Because now, not only is he hearing his words, but he's starting to do what Jesus says. And that makes all the difference. Jesus says this, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, it collapsed. With a great crash. It doesn't matter if they followed Jesus or they were wise or foolish in this moment. They both went through the same storm. The thing that the first century hearers might have been uh, hearing when they, when Jesus was telling them these things, they might have been thinking about the temple. Because for them, that was God's house. The temple was God's house. And in this moment, in the first century, uh, they were in the process, Herod was in the process of rebuilding the, the, the temple in Jerusalem. This would be the the period called Second Temple Judaism. So this was in the period of time when the Second Temple was built. And so they would have been understanding that, okay, when Jesus is talking about foundation, talking about, okay, God's house is built on the solid rock. That's what they would have said. And uh, that's God's house. So it's sure and secure. It's strong. That's where he 
dwells. We want to have a house like his. Amen? And so they would have been thinking about the temple, and then Jesus continues his teaching throughout the book of Matthew and all of the Gospels, and he uh, comes to a point where he asks his disciples, hey, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And they're like, oh, well, some people say you're uh, one of the prophets. Some say you're a wise teacher. Some say you're, you're kind of the new Elijah or you're Elijah kind of back uh, from the dead again. And then Jesus turns it and says, who do you say that I am? And this is in the moment where, again, Peter, of course, is the one who speaks up. And in this moment, he got it right. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And... The Christ, that is the Greek word for Messiah, the Hebrew word Messiah, basically saying that, Jesus, you are the one we've been hoping for. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one we've been yearning for. You're the one who's going to rescue us and save us and lead us into the place that God wants us to go. Finally, thank you for coming. And Jesus says, you are correct. Your name is Petra, which means rock. For on this... I will build my church. And he wasn't talking about Peter. He was talking about Peter's confession. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That he is the one who has all power and authority. And so then Jesus continues his teaching. And one of the days um, toward the end of his life, he started teaching that um, the the temple was going to be destroyed. And in three days, it's going to rise again. He's going to make the temple rise again. And the Jews would have been, and they were, very upset with him making these assertions that the temple was going to, fall down. Obviously, Jesus was talking about himself. But the significant thing, Matthew 25, he talks about the abomination of desolation. You should be running the hills when this happens. Um, He was prophesying about the the year AD 70. AD 70. It's a very significant year in biblical history and how you see and how you read the scriptures. Um, Because in AD 70, the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, started to rebel against the Romans because they had been occupied by Rome, and they didn't want to be occupied by Rome, because who would want to be oppressed by another nation, right, another empire? And so they started to rebel against Rome, and then Rome laid siege to Jerusalem, and ultimately, at the end of that year, by the time this battle was done, it didn't take long, uh, the temple was destroyed by the Romans, and to this day, it has not risen again. And this is really significant, because Jesus said um, that no longer are you going to, there is a day coming when no longer are you going to be worshiping me on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but you are going to be worshiping me in spirit and in truth. When Jesus uh, was crucified, the veil was torn that separated the holy from hol- holy of holies from the rest of the temple from top to bottom. And o- in other words, Jesus um, was the, the way that God was ushering in his presence to all mankind to where when you walk around and you follow Jesus, wherever it is that you go, God's presence is with you. That you and I and us together are the temple of God. God is not confined to a building. He has unleashed his presence on his people. And uh, Jesus continues to teach them about what this, uh, what he's doing in their lives. And then uh, he goes and says this, verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. I find it funny because Jesus in this moment, in his sermon, as he's wrapping it up, He's challenging them to actually do what he says. If you want to be the wise man who builds your house, your life on the solid rock, you must be the one who says yes to him every moment of the day when he says for you to do something, when he calls you to do something, you do it. 
That's the wise man. That's what the wise man is. And in the, in response to this sermon where he's calling them to decide, are you going to follow me or are you going to follow someone else? Because there's two paths. He's given this warnings. There's two paths. The, the wide path that leads to destruction, the narrow path that leads to life. Uh, who are you going to follow? Me or the world? Me or somebody else? Who are you going to follow? Uh, their response to it was like amazement, which obviously if you were hearing Jesus preach a sermon, you would be amazed at his authority, right? Because he's teaching not as someone who's sharing something that he came across, but he's sharing the very words of God because he is God. But I just find it funny that they, he was calling them to apply what he's saying. And yet they were like, Oh, good sermon preacher. Good sermon preacher. You know, you might, you might come up to me, uh, every now and then, you know, when I hit more than, you know, when it's more than a bunt in terms of the sermon, maybe I hit a single or a double, like, good job, sir. Good job, preacher. Good sermon, you know, but here's the thing. The the sign of a good sermon is not uh, whether or not you enjoyed it. It's whether or not you do something with it. That's the sign of a good sermon, which means that's up to you. When I, when I go and I'm on vacation or whatever, and I go to another church and, and I'm listening to the sermon I have a tendency to nitpick about communication strategies and the way someone does things. But here's the thing, what I have to check myself before I wreck myself, is I need to make sure I'm heeding the word of God from that person who's sharing. Whether they're eloquent or not, whether they've got it figured out or not, whether the sermon's long or not, whether it's short or not, whether I get to lunch before the Baptists or not. That's the sign of a good sermon is whether or not we do something with it. The end of the sermon is not when I say amen. It's when we go out and live it. So, so Jesus is calling us to make a decision. And he's really asking us a question. Will the storm you're going through or the, will the storm that you're going to go through, will that wreck your life? You know, every yes we say to Jesus is us putting another brick on the solid rock. Every yes to Jesus is another brick built on the solid rock. And here's the thing, in the end, what will matter is where you dwell. And the place you're going to dwell is where you've laid the most bricks. So have you said yes to Jesus or have you not? Here's the thing, every yes to Jesus gives you more vitality, tenacity, and security. Every yes to Jesus, every time you say yes to him, every time you follow him, every time you practice the way of Jesus, he gives you more vitality, tenacity, and security. Let me define these terms. Vitality. He gives you exuberant strength, mental vigor, a capacity for survival or for the continuation of a meaningful or purposeful existence. He gives you this this vitality where you are not just going through the motions in your life, but you've got some direction. You've got some vibrancy to you. You are on mission, on purpose with other people, loving them, caring for them, being a representative of Jesus wherever you go. When you say yes to him, he gives you more vitality. When you say yes to him, he gives you greater tenacity. Tenacity is the quality of holding fast and being persistent. That it's, it's, it's when you, when you mess up, you hold fast to continue pressing on. When you face some kind of a uh, barrier or some kind of obstacle, you have tenacity enough to keep moving forward. Uh, Rocky Balboa told his son, uh, this life will beat you down if you let it. But it doesn't matter how hard you hit. It matters how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's tenacity. Jesus, when you say yes to him, he gives you a greater level of tenacity. 
Uh, and also when you say yes to him, he gives, gives you a greater level of security, which security is freedom from care, anxiety, or doubt, and it's well-founded confidence. Well-founded confidence. So here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just give you more vitality, more tenacity, and more security. He gives you his vitality, his strength and mental vigor and capacity for survival and continuing on in purpose. The the, the kind of uh, vibrancy and vitality that caused him to keep moving forward all the way to the cross of Calvary so that he could pay for your sins. That's the kind of vitality that he gives you and I when we say yes to him. He gives us tenacity, this, this dedication of holding fast and being persistent and being willing to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, you don't have to fear any evil because you've got him with you. That kind of tenacity to keep moving forward on what God has called you to. That kind of level of commitment to keep hoping even when life is swirling with chaos. That's the kind of, kind of tenacity he gives us. He gives us his security, because our confidence is not in our ability. It's not in our uh, capacity. It's in his, his capacity for continuing, his confidence to keep going. That's where we trust him. So every yes to Jesus gives you more vitality, tenacity, and security. One of my favorite uh, rappers is named Andy Minio, and uh, he, has a, he has a song called Lost. And in the song, he's telling the story of him being in a plane. And uh, as he's as they're elevating into the into the air, there is a storm that they're in. And uh, he's talking about how they continue to go up and up and up. And yet the 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 plane is just shaking and shaking and shaking. The the windows are are sw- like you know they're you're you're hearing it. And he's getting nervous. And and for some of you, like this is the reason you don't fly anymore because you had some serious turbulence. You're like, nope, not for me. I'll drive, you know, it's fine. Um, but you know, for a lot of us, we've been in these moments where you're just like, you start to think, you're like, all right, I know that most planes can deal with this, but this could be the, this could be the moment that I'm just going to, we're going to start falling. And you're like, yep, that's pretty far down, right? And that's what he was doing. He's like, I'm not sure we're going to get through this and keep going up, all of this turbulence. And he talks about that moment where they got through the clouds, And they got above the clouds. And he realized that the sun was there the whole time. Even though the storm was right there, the sun hadn't left. Here's some lyrics from that song. When I get above those clouds, yeah, I know that the sun's out. I'm going to be all right. I know the sun's out. I'm going to be all right. He said, the sun is still here. It was here the whole time. I just couldn't see it. Here's the thing. Jesus gives us hope on the ground and hope in the air. Because you might face a storm that you start thinking, this is the moment. I'm not going to get through this one. This is too much for me. The windows aren't going to be able to hold it. My foundation isn't going to be able to hold. I I don't know if I'm going to get through this one. But then when you have eyes of faith and you start elevating your perspective where you can see you get through the clouds and above the clouds above the storm the sun's still there he's been there the whole time that that even though you go through some storms again you're not gonna get get like you know like an exemption from going through the storm you're gonna have to go through them but you're gonna have hope in the midst of it because your foundation is not just solid rock but it's king jesus he's the rock of all ages y'all 
So you hold on to him throughout it all. And as you are going through that storm, you elevate your perspective to have eyes of faith that you know and you remember that the son is still here. You're not going through it alone. He's with you. So here's the question, church. Where, 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 where are you laying your bricks? Because where you lay your bricks is where you live your life. Is it on the sinking foundation of sand? Or have you been being foolish? Or is it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Every yes to Jesus is another brick laid on solid ground. So where have you been laying your bricks? Let's stand and sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving each and every one of us so greatly that we can come to you and uh, we can trust in you, we can follow you. Um, God, I, I know that in a room like this, there's probably been some storms we've been going through. Um, and, and it may be some storms that we feel like, oh, we may not get through this one. This may be the one that takes us out. This may be, we start questioning, have we been building enough bricks on solid ground? Because we start seeing our foundation crumbling. God, if there's anybody in here in this room or on the, on the live stream who finds themselves in that space, God, I pray that they would start to just see with eyes uh, that, are, that are rooted in reality, rooted in your truth, and they would be able to start, start taking those bricks from that sand and start laying on solid ground. Whatever that means for them, God, I pray that you would meet them, you would call them to, to follow you and obey you, and God, that, that as we go through the storms of life, help us to keep our focus on you so that while we are on the ground going through the storm, we can also at the same time see with eyes of faith that get through the clouds, get above the clouds, above the storm and see that you haven't gone anywhere. You're there with us. We love you, Jesus. Pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.